that cop was just sitting there for hours on end with his foot on the brake instead of putting it in park? Honestly, I usually sit in my car with my foot on the brake instead of putting it in park. So I you can't. do a lot of stakeouts, do you? <laughs> uh, hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And I'm David. And today I finally watched Lethal Weapon. But before we get started on that, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host I Finally Watched. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. So head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. How have you missed watching this iconic classic Christmas film? I've seen two and three and possibly four, but I don't think I've seen four. Yeah, two is Diplomatic Immunity, South Africa, and Joe Pesci. Uh, so how have you missed the original? Came out the year I was born. Yeah, David, I get, okay. But like, <laughs> it's not like you were a seasoned veteran when Lethal Weapon 2 came out. I saw it in theater at two years old. You did? No, no. I, I think two's the better one. Um, two's the better one. Two is the better one, yeah. It's so you you're it's so to you it's like the the Dark Knight. Of yeah, it's a, weapons. The Godfather Two. Um, second Pirates of the Caribbean. You're an idiot. That's a, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Except this is a this is an anthology. This is at four, so it can't really be like the trilogy example. Doesn't work as well. Um. Yeah, I just I never saw it. I don't know why. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with my parents just had a case of movies in our living room of VHSs that you opened up, and once it filled up, we didn't really buy more movies. You know, we we had a, we bought more movies, but it's like those were the movies we had, and we had Lethal Weapon two, and so I watched it all the time. Um, for some reason, we didn't have Lethal Weapon 1, I guess. Uh, that's why. So this movie started out a lot different than what I remember starting out with. So I, I watched this um, not when I was super young, but probably like 14, 15. And I actually didn't like it the first time I watched it because I couldn't get behind Mel Gibson's character. He was a very difficult person to root for, I felt like. And that's obviously like, I didn't quite understand what a character arc was. So, um, you know. Yeah, I also that, had no, no empathy for people with mental illness. I don't think uh, this movie hardly had empathy for people with mental illness. Maybe one character. Well, Mel Gibson's struggling with suicide. Yeah, but I think only one character in the whole damn movie kind of understood that. The, the psychiatrist the the woman psychiatrist now here's my question to you you know um shane black wrote this film your buddy yeah and he's he wrote um quite a bit of of 80 films early 90 films i think kiss kiss bang bang was an early 90s film wasn't it absolutely not kiss mid 2000s mid 2000s what mid 2000s how are you so bad at this? I don't know, man. So, well, he was... Uh, I already guess, as I'm looking it up, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I was going to say 2006, came out 2005. So exactly mid-2000s. Okay, okay. Definitely not early 90s. Wow. Starring a young Val Kilmer. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, but, you know, he... I feel like um, Shane Black wrote lethal weapon in such a way where i don't think you kind of know if it's in support of this like macho energized 80s buddy cop 
film or if it's almost in a way making fun of it. Because he also wrote Last Action Hero, which I feel like is a really big uh, way of making fun of that kind of macho action film. But did you did you feel like this was making fun? I'm talking about Lethal Weapon now. Did you feel like this was making fun of that or this was exploiting it in some way? I don't know. I don't think so. This will answer your question, but I'm not going to actually answer what you just asked because it was so convoluted. Uh, he wrote this, but it was significantly rewritten um, by at the behest of the director, Richard Donner, because the Shane Black version was so fucking dark that they were just like, we need to lighten it up. Specifically, in the version that Shane Black wrote, the way you meet Mel Gibson's character Riggs is him taking out a sniper that was shooting at an elementary school playground and actually like killing some of the kids. Jeez. So instead we get a, a cocaine bust at a tree lot. Um, and I guess another version, he would like got in a fight at a bar and he beat the shit out of some people. And another version, he was walking on the beach and some guys were like kind of um, abusing a dog. And so he like, pretends he can speak to the dog and is like oh the dog wants me to beat the shit out of you and then beats the shit out of the guys and then takes the dog home and that's like his dog for the rest of the movie and donner came in and is like instead let's have murtaugh in the bath and all his family walk in really fucking weird and then let's see mel gibson's ass and then we'll have him do a bust at the tree lot that's funny you know it's funny because um when i was sitting down watching this now this week um all I remember is the movie starting out with the bust at the tree lot. And so the opening where you see the girl um, jumping off of the roof of the building, topless, um, that scene you mentioned where Murtaugh's in the bath with his family, it's really fucking weird. I want to talk to you a little bit later about how weird that relationship with his whole family is, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, one particular member of his family specifically but we'll get into that later um and then mel gibson's ass and then it's the bust at the tree lot did you feel like it would have been better if we just started out as my childhood memory remembered at the bust with the tree lot and that's how we get introduced to mel gibson um i guess but then how are you going to meet murtaugh afterwards in the yeah. back. I mean, you need the naked woman in the beginning, which I want for non-lecherous reasons to spend a lot of time dissecting that scene. I'm guessing it is for lecherous reasons. It's not. Well, first of all, let's just get into it. So the movie actually starts out quite similarly to um, Psycho, where you have this aerial view as you're going through a city and then you go straight into like a hotel room. And that's exactly how Psycho starts. Okay. I don't know that that's maybe the intention of it. But then this is what I find so odd about that scene. And I think it's a, I think it has to be sort of an MPAA thing or just like a, a keeping the movie a little more. I mean, it's a rated R movie, so I don't really understand it. But the entire time you see this, topless woman she's actually not topless she is showing her right boob only and then she gets up and is walking around and you really only see the right one and then she dives out of the the 20th story let's say uh-huh lands perfectly on a car chest up and once again the left one is covered and the right one is showing so <laughs> you're saying sense. you're saying because of the rating analysis, they only could show one? I have no idea. It doesn't make sense. They show both of her breasts later on in a movie that uh, Murtaugh's watching. Or they show a bunch of other women's boobs. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, you're right. So it's like, I, don't, I just don't get the point of it. And it's so weird. I did read that the, um, the, the, her laying on the car naked, and I didn't look into it too much, but it was based off of like... Sure you did. Like, uh-huh 
I'll do research later. But the, it's based off something called like the most beautiful suicide. And it's, that's what that was supposed to represent, I guess. But I don't know exactly. I didn't have enough time to look fully into it because I finished this movie like an hour ago. But it's still just, it's, I don't know. Did, did it not seem weird to you? No. Just the, the one showing the whole time? Okay. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I just thought it was the wind. It's just not natural. Just, okay. Shirts don't work that way. <laughs> Well, um, yeah. Well, a lot of things, a lot of things are weird. Like, did Shane Black write that that scene? Did he write that scene, David? I have no idea. I didn't you know, talk for, to him. For you a should guy, phone him up. For a guy who, uh, I'm talking about Richard Donner here, but for a guy who directed Superman, The Goonies, um, what else did he do? Uh, pretty much all the other Lethal Weapons, but. Uh, there's a lot of nudity in the first like five minutes of this movie. You see the girl's breasts. You are implied that Murtaugh is naked in the tub. And then you see Mel Gibson's ass, which I have to hand it to them. It's like equality on, you know, all gender aspects of the movie. The other thing, I thought the camera work was really cool on her diving off the building. The, like camera, showed- the camera work is really cool throughout the whole movie. But it like specifically showing her diving off from like a view as she's falling, then a POV view from her, and then her hitting the car from multiple angles. I thought it was really it it had to have taken a lot of time. From her hitting the car with the camera inside the car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All of it. All of it's just great. Which I guess means they well, they might have just had multiple cameras. They might have had a car. I was wondering if they had to like mess up multiple cars. Unless they knew exactly what they wanted and they were very like precise about it. Now, the thing that threw that they threw out of the window to emulate the girl was that like a mannequin? Do you know? Was that it? I've no idea. No. I mean, it would. I, the way the body fell, it looked like a mannequin to me. So definitely, I don't. Wasn't her? <laughs> no, I assume they did not kill a a woman or throw a cadaver out there. Yes, thank you. So, uh, the next scene is the one you wanted to talk about. Um, if if my kids ever walk in on me on the bath because it's my birthday, they better they better turn around and leave. This isn't a time to like continue the conversation and and tell me happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife with a cake, sure, okay, no problem. But my wife with a cake with three of my children, get the fuck out. Absolutely. And also, they take... Okay, first of all, I just want to give compliment to where compliments do is that shot where you see the entire scene played out in the reflection of the mirror. Super cool. Loved it. Every minute of it. But the dynamic with Murtaugh's family, he is in the bath. He gives all of his kids kisses on the lips, which is fine, I guess, for like his small boys but then also his 16 year old teenage daughter a little weird and it gets even weirder right because later on she like comes down the stairs in like her prom dress and then cue the sensual jazz music that only plays whenever like the lady in red enters the pi's office right like that Uh and he like looks back and he says something like she's hot stuff or some shit like no, that no 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 he didn't say that he said he said something along the lines of like oh she's gonna be a heartbreaker yeah but st- that's still weird and the sensual music just makes the whole fucking thing weirder and the music which i didn't notice like i'll give you but just acknowledge like she's a very pretty girl so just acknowledging that your daughter's pretty and that she's wearing something like first of all i, I was i was expecting him to be like what the fuck are you wearing but just acknowledging that she's pretty and that like that you have to worry about all these guys i don't know i didn't find the kiss on the lips was weird i found that it was weird weird. if it wasn't if it wasn't all those things stacked up on top of each other all two all two things no the three things with the music well the music happened over the second thing and the second thing was the dress the music was the third thing the kiss on the lips was the first thing yeah, I'm not arguing too- about how many things it was fucked up about that scene, but I'm just saying the music really made it weird. And then um, 
And then she becomes kind of like the focal sexual point in like the the other parts of the movie. It was just very odd how they played her character out, I thought, at least. Well, I think I think the starting of the kissing on the lips puts you on edge for everything else. So the dress thing, which I didn't think that was a big deal, you're like, all right, well, it's you know, they just have an odd relationship. Then playing up her like being in love with uh Riggs. Uh, you're like, all right, well, that's a little weird. And then I didn't rewind it, but the bad guys, when they like said they had her daughter, had his daughter wrote, I think they wrote something like, oh, she'll look good naked or something. I can't remember. Like they, I think they wrote something lewd when they took her. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't that lewd. It was something like um, she's hot stuff or something like that. You keep saying it's hot stuff. Yeah, but because I, think I don't I, think he wrote any it, of that. I, I got it mixed up. What I'm saying is, is that, you're, you're basically agreeing with me that it was very weird how they treated her character throughout the whole movie. I don't think, I, th- I mean, I think they purposely chose a girl that's attractive for her getting kidnapped. The relationship between the dad and her, I think the kiss is weird. Why was she in her underwear when they rescued her from the club? I mean, they were all, all of them were in their underwear. That's weird, David. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Mel Gibson's ass. It's a good ass. It's good. It's pretty good. Must have but what out. about his mullet? Yeah, and he keeps it for the second one too. That's, um, that was never a good look. People should have spoken up about that, you know? Yeah. So we find out quite quickly that he is suicidal, that he sticks a gun in his mouth every night since the death of his wife, which I actually, you know, I couldn't appreciate this movie when I was younger, but I really do appreciate what huge character turnaround he had by the end of this film. And I think the only way to have that big of an impact is to show that he is at his lowest point at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. And there's like a homoerotic aspect of like the fact that Murtaugh turned his life around and made him not want to kill himself. But that's the subtext. I feel like. Mm, Okay. Well, that's your subtext. Um, Why were they, why were they both naked? Uh, Real quick, just to go through a little bit of this, because I think it's, I don't know, there's some funny stuff in here, but so Murtaugh, we get to see him on the job first, Danny Glover. And he gets a call from an old buddy, Michael Hansucker, Hansucker, Hansacker. And then on his way to work, he is going to the jumper who turns out to be Amanda Hunsacker. And all of that's whatever. And we meet this hooker Dixie who saw the whole thing, which is a plot point for later. But I love when he's driving up, it's very subtle the police radio is going off and it's like um uh anyone who can show up there's a five foot 300 pound drunk woman at a bar i repeat she's drunk and nude yeah (laughs) i completely nude i saw that too i saw that i i heard that too i uh i thought they were gonna address it or it's gonna tie in somewhere never does never does i think it's just a, a a little a little side a little side funny and then the next thing we see is Mel Gibson in the tree lot. And my favorite part of that is when they tell him it's a hundred. He wants, he's like, I want all of it. And they're like, okay, it's a hundred. And he starts counting out twenties and they try and stop. him. He's like, shut up. I'm trying to count. 94, 95. Yeah. The, the, the guy, the bad guys just become really fucking pissed off. Um, yeah. I think it's so cool. There was like one guy hiding behind the trees in the truck and he, he just boom, boom, boom. Mel Gibson takes them all out real quick. And I lost then, track of how many dudes there were because it's like, what, he killed two. Well, hold on. So there's three in front of him and then one in the truck. The truck guy had a shotgun and blasted past him, killing one of the guys. And then he turns around, kills the guy in the truck. And then one guy comes out to the right of him and he shoots him. So there's, so he kills, yeah, you're right. He kills two. With the fast cutting, I thought there were like five guys and we were missing someone. Um, There's four. But then to see his, they, they really accentuate his craziness because he gets a gun pulled on him. 
and he just tells the cops, shoot the guy. And then he just tells the guy to shoot me and just keeps telling him to shoot him until finally he like takes the guy's gun and headbutts him. And I love the classic cop line of the other cop coming in. He's not worth it, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you just going to blow a drug dealer's head off? Like, what's, I guess because he pointed a gun at you, but like. I, I mean, I feel like that scene was great. It's one of my favorite scenes, but it's also like way over dramatic. A lot of the movie is for what it is. Um, as, the beginning mostly. I think the I think <laughs> and it, the, at the end. Well, the the last bit of the end before the last bit. I think it's really the best part of the movie. But <laughs> um, uh, back to this, they're really accentuating his craziness because then he goes home and puts a gun in his uh, in his mouth, and. At first, I was like, he was looking at a picture of a uh, a woman in a wedding dress. I was like, is it divorce or did she die? Which they explain pretty quickly. Um, and then right after this, just the third thing, like, oh, the shrink says he's crazy. So it's like, first you see him like with a death wish. Then you see him put a bullet uh, or a gun in his mouth. And then finally, you just have a shrink like to the audience. Like, he's crazy, guys. Do you get it? <laughs> Yeah, talk about so so he so perfect. We're we're at the scene where I guess I just kind of want to dissect the macho, you know, uh, macho machoism <laughs> of of this film. Yes, I'm very I'm a I'm a word guy guy. Um, but. It says something, right? When the psychiatrist is a woman trying to talk some sense into the male police chief and the male police chief like snubs her and then goes into the male bathroom with like the male gender sign next to it. And um, I've never seen that on a bathroom. Yeah, I've never. Exactly. Exactly. And so then. um, Well, his line too of when he kills himself, then we'll know that I was wrong. And then slams the the male gender sign bathroom door in her face. Yeah. So was that a, a metaphor for um, feminism in the workplace? For the glass ceiling that women deal with? Probably. Or her character was just severely underdeveloped and she's only there to say, Riggs is crazy, y'all. Uh, one of the funniest parts of the movie that I thought is that this is after the suicide scene, which I think we're going to talk about pretty soon, but um, Murtaugh is is talking to her on this like weird cell phone backpack device. And he's like, you just got to tell me, is he, is he crazy? Am I in trouble? And she's like, yeah, he's fucking crazy. He's like, thanks. And then he turns around and Mel Gibson's like right fucking there. Was it a cell phone? I thought it was like a payphone, but I guess it was a cell phone. It was like a portable cell phone with its own like portable receiver. Yeah. Yikes. Um, so we find out that the pill, that the woman who jumped was drugged with pills that had drain cleaner in them. And then at the same time, of course, uh, Murtaugh doesn't have a partner and Riggs doesn't have a partner. And so wh- what do you know? They become partners. And, uh, Murtaugh sees Riggs like pull out a gun and doesn't know who he is and tries to stop him and immediately like, gets his ass kicked, which I think is like, is that the second time we get the, uh, I'm too old for this. That is the second time. Yeah. And we get three. So that's good. Um, and we also, this is right when we get the, uh, the name drop of the movie. Yeah. So they're walking through probably the smokiest parking garage I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, apparently Riggs is a master of jujitsu and other types of kick-ass martial arts, as Murtaugh says. Um, And that makes him a lethal weapon. Guess we have to register you as a lethal weapon, Riggs. I wish we all still talk like that, like 80 action stars. Yeah. Um, And then they're both like, well, nobody wants to work with me. Well, no one wants to work with me either. So I guess guess we're stuck with each other. (laughs) uh and then we get to meet mr joshua and we get to establish he's a fucking crazy badass by him getting his arm burned i will say that like that's the only thing that like that 
really categorizes him as like this inc- incredibly insane mercenary guy is like that one scene of him burning his arm. Everything else is pretty straightforward. You know what would have been better? Don't don't get me wrong. I, I like Gary Busey, but um, it, it would have been better if he didn't talk at all through the entire movie. Because in that first scene when he was burning his arm, he said like, yes, sir. Like that was his only fucking word he said. And he was terrifying. And then when they meet up in the desert, he has this whole monologue. And I was like, oh, he's not scary at all. Yeah. Also, I don't know why, but I really thought he was going to have like a Swedish accent. And he was just an American dude. You do know who Gary Busey is, right? I know who Gary, it, his character. I thought his character was going to have an accent. But I, again, I think I'm maybe thinking of the second one. I thought Mr. Menendez wasn't that great of a, a character. You're crazy, man. You guys are all crazy. Yeah. Oh, you mean the guy who met him up in the bowling, bowling alley? Or the, the nightclub? The nightclub? Yeah, nightclub. Yeah, he's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, gee, Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was like, okay, dude, we get it. You're religious. So then we go to the father of the jumper and he's like, she was doing porn. I thought I could get her out. And then he's, and then he says, I need you to find them and kill them. I need you to find them and kill them, which really doesn't make any sense when later you find out that he's like, Oh, I actually work with these people and they're way too deadly for you. Unless Unless he didn't know it was them that killed her. I guess, but that's not really spelled out well. And because it's not spelled out well, it, does, it just doesn't seem like it makes that much sense. And by the way, he doesn't say, oh, she was in you know, pornographic films. He, he goes, she was in films. The pornographic type. <laughs> the naked kind. <laughs> so next we get another jumper. And this is so Murtaugh in the show. Not the 350-pound woman. That would have been nice. Uh and we get to uh, Murtaugh gets to see how crazy Riggs is in real life or in, in person because uh, Riggs is like, oh, it just so happens that no one is there who's actually supposed to talk to the jumper. So one of them has to do it. And Riggs is like, I'll do it. And Murtaugh's like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then he goes up there and handcuffs him to the guy and is like, well, now if you jump, you are a murderer. <laughs> and then he's like, you know what? I'm going to jump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah um what did you think what did you think of that guy's acting the jumper yeah i thought he was a dude who wasn't paid a whole lot and so did okay playing that character i guess yeah his his acting felt really there is a hit or miss factor and it really missed there I just, I don't think you should judge someone who's going through that type of episode. <laughs> it's okay. Anyways, I thought it was badass that he, he talked enough to buy him time for the firefighters to set up the little jumpy thing. Which totally looks just straight out of like a movie set. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And then they go into an abandoned store that just happens to be like around the corner and Murtaugh hands Riggs his gun. It's like, oh, if you're going to kill yourself, use my gun. Because that's not going to create any issues for you later on, Murtaugh. Yeah, exactly. You really I, are crazy, Riggs. I like how they fight about it. They're like, stick it, stick it in your temple. No, what if, it, what if it goes in your ear and out the other? He's like, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. In my mouth. Right in my mouth. He's like, yeah, no, no, no. Up, up, up in your chin. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> like agreeing where is the best place to off himself. Exactly. Um, so after this, we get the scene you talked about where he calls the shrink and then they're driving and they're talking about, oh, you know, if you're going to kill yourself or, you know, you're probably going to get us killed and whatever. And he's like, I didn't know it was your birthday. Maybe I'll buy you a gift. He's like, well, if you, if we live long enough, you can try and buy me a gift. And then they go to the mansion. Uh, they get tipped off though, right? The mansion wasn't like this. Yeah, no, they get a tip from some fellow detective whose name we don't know. Oh, okay. Is that how they get it from, from another detective? Someone working. I, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't remember how. I like how they go to the mansion. There's two like prostitute chicks like doing coke in the window. And they're like, hey, boys. And then <laughs> Murtaugh shows them their badge. And they're like, oh, fuck shit. <laughs> Just to be clear, though, they weren't doing coke. They were packing the coke. 
Oh, 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 that's worse. Yeah, much. That's why they ran. They don't just they just do the coke, you know. Uh, and then they're 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 just really bad detectives, really bad cops at this point right here because they've let their guard down, and this dude is able to get the jump on them and shoot. And you know, can't let that happen because of the gun range scene. We both get that they're really excellent shots. One more than the other, yeah. Right. And so I just don't understand how all those bullets fly and then Murtaugh is the one that hits the guy in the leg. One bullet in the leg, by the way. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because <laughs> early, uh, later in the movie, Riggs talks about how he killed a guy from a thousand yards and he's like one of 10 people on the planet that can do that. He shoots a smiley face on a target with every, like he doesn't miss a single shot, but yeah, he misses that. I also... I love that scene because he's like, I shot him in the leg. Now I can talk. Don't you see? That's how we're supposed to do things. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And then the guy has another gun and Riggs has to shoot him in the chest twice. And then they try and save his life because he's drowning in the pool. But like that dude's already dead. Dude. Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, such a convoluted scene for such a simple um, ending. Like, yeah, he's dead. Like after being shot in the in the chest twice, you really need a, a forty five second drowning scene. And then, Rig uh, Murtaugh is so happy with Riggs. Uh, first of all, I love that like they're just chilling at this mansion. <laughs> like Riggs is watching TV. Like it was daytime when the shooting happened, and they're just sitting there. <laughs> I guess like in the robes of the dead guy, probably. I don't remember this. Was that were. Did they? That was the. That's the scene where Murtaugh's like, "Hey, you saved my life," and Riggs is like, oh, "I bet that hurt to say." He's like, "You have no idea that like it's in just like a random living room, but that's not Murtaugh's living room. That's not Riggs's living room. And there's the pool is I think right outside the door. So I'm pretty sure. But they both got wet. They both have to like take a shower and dry off somewhere. I know, David. but it was nighttime. Like the, it was like middle of the day, like around <laughs> lunchtime when they shoot this guy, and they're still chilling there, like. Well, it's during Christmas, so the sun would go down around 5.30. So it's at least, they've been there for at least like five, six hours. Do you think those girls are still handcuffed to the tree right outside? Probably not. They're probably, they've probably been booked. For what? The drugs. Yeah, the drugs. Yeah, yeah. And then because he saved his life, now we get the classic scene of new partners having to uh, eat dinner at one another's house. Yeah, and since Riggs is a lonely guy that lives in a trailer next to the beach, it's Murtaugh's house with Murtaugh's entire family. And I love this scene because I feel like the way Richard Donner directed these kids was a very kind of a, a natural way to direct kids. And I love the line because, you know, as we mentioned, how weird the older daughter's character is being treated through this whole movie. But she obviously is infatuated with Riggs. And um, I love this, the line from the mom, I think that it's like, we've had guests here before. <laughs> right. This is, this is not the, that's what she said. This is not the first time we've had house guests. Yeah. No, I think it, it's, it's a little super obvious how into, into uh, Riggs she is. So I think maybe they could have been a little more subtle, but I guess that's the point. Everyone notices, um, like the mom and the two little brothers, they, they notice. Or no, sorry, the one brother and the little sister, they notice. I was about to say. Um, and then right after this, we get Riggs saying that he thinks the, the murder theory that this pimp that they just shot is the one that murdered the girl that jumped off the thing. And Riggs is like, ah, that's too easy. Yeah. Um, Although you did glaze over the, the, I mean, it's not a big deal, but, you know, Murtaugh rapping. Murtaugh rapped? Yeah, his little kid was like beatboxing for him and he was like rapping. He's like, he's like, um, my name is Roger and I'm a Dodger and there's a Podger. And he's like, I'm no good at this stuff. Did we watch different versions of this movie? Did you watch like a director's cut? <laughs> well, no, a... I just watched the one on HBO Max. No, I, 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 I think I lost my account to HBO Max. Uh, too bad. Uh, there is a director's cut of this slightly different, but yeah, I don't remember that, but I clearly wasn't important to me or I blocked it out, blocked it out. Um, 
so they're on their boat and Murtaugh obviously doesn't know how to <laughs> work a boat at all. Well, and right after this, which I think is more funny, we talked about how uh, Murtaugh sees a, there's a video of like all these, the naked girls and that, and Amanda, the jumper. Um, and I guess it was just sent to him. I don't understand. It was like in an envelope. Yeah, it was sent to him. Who sent that to him? Like, I don't know. But then I just thought it'd be like the wife comes down. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, it's for work, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to bed. Now, when they're leaving and, and Riggs is like, and it didn't occur to me. Did it occur to you that they thought the case was wrapped up because they shot the guy in the mansion by the pool? And they were like, well, case solved. Uh, Murtaugh felt that way and Riggs didn't. No, I know, but I didn't even feel like I felt like so many questions came unanswered. Well, you're, you're watching a movie with a an obvious runtime, so you clearly knew that the movie wasn't over. But if you if you have a woman who's killed and then you go to her where Pimps. she like last lived and that guy tries to kill you and you kill him, um, you could probably you probably think you're done. You've done some nice police work that day. I like how right before they leave, Murtaugh like promises him like, hey, I'm going to see you tomorrow, right? Like you're not going to off yourself at night. And he's like, oh, by the way, you really like my wife's cooking? And Riggs is like, no, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> That's good. Um, so next is the gun range scene where they're like, I, well, first Riggs shows up at Murtaugh's house in his bed. And then it cuts to them at the, at the gun range when they're talking about the case. And it's like the beginning of them talking about the case. They didn't talk about it at any point before that. They just stayed silent until they got in the gun range. Well, I mean, I, I assume Murtaugh, I'm sorry, Riggs brought his own car there to Murtaugh's house. So they probably drove separately, right? Maybe. You think they carpooled? I don't know if they usually do. At least in Lethal Weapon 2, they do all the time. But this is when Riggs comes up with the theory that Dixie was the other one in bed and she had to pretend that uh, she saw it happen because she's uh, the one she who didn't, drugged and pushed her. Yeah. And she didn't expect her. She didn't expect her to fall out like that. And so she had to do this. And I. Uh, Murtaugh's like, oh, that's pretty thin. I love the continued callback of that as they get more and more evidence, including when they escape at the end. Like pretty fucking thin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here, here's a kind of a scene I want to dissect is when they show up at Dixie's house and there's like four little kids playing, like drawing on the sidewalk in, in a chalk. And they were like, the cops are here. The cops are here. There is absolutely nothing signif uh, signifying that those guys are cops. There's no lights on their car. They're not wearing uniforms. There's no badges present. They just see two grown men come out of a car and they're like, you guys are cops. Yeah, I think that's the point is that they're like easily made and that these kids kind of know people that should be in the neighborhood and know people that shouldn't. And these are people that shouldn't and they're people that look like cops. You're going to bust Dixie. No, we're just going to go eat breakfast over here. And I was like, where are you guys eating breakfast? Uh... I thought it was pretty obvious the way that shot was set up that that house was going to blow up. Did you see that happening? So obvious. Yeah. As soon as you have the wide shot of them walking to the house, it's so obvious. I don't even know a way to make that unobvious anymore, honestly. <laughs> like, I, you'd have to shoot it completely differently. But then if you shoot it completely differently, maybe it doesn't look good. And so it's like... Aerial shot. Maybe. I think that, that would make it more obvious. You think they have CGI or did they actually blow up that house? I think they actually blew up that house. It was a joke. This moves from 1987. They blew I, up that house. It was good. I like practical effects when they're done right, though. Yeah, I mean, they blew up a fucking house. Uh, and then afterwards, we find out that the device was done by a pro, um, a mercenary, <laughs> because Riggs knows exactly, which we've been told earlier that Joshua is a mercenary. So for the audience, we know exactly who did it. And then they go over to the little kids and they're like, mama says police shoot black people. And they're just like, oh, fuck. Um, but then they find out it's a white guy with blonde hair and he has the exact same tattoo as Riggs. So it's like, all right. Special well, forces. But we never see that tattoo on Joshua, Mr. Joshua. 
No, we don't. But we, I guess we just assume. I especially like the little kids' dynamics with each other. It's like one covers the mouse, like, shut up, Alfred! Alfred, how old are you? He's six. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell Uh, him! So next we go back to the dad, Mr. Hunsacker. And this is where we find out, oh, Hunsacker sells uh, heroin. They bring in two shipments a year. He's and also, banker. don't forget to mention that this is the funeral of his daughter. Was that? Yeah, this is the day of the funeral of his daughter. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's only like six people outside, though, if that was the funeral. Who said she was popular? The videos do. And then also, I guess maybe that's why he didn't know who was involved, because he's like, he's involved with these people. But why was she involved with the exact I guess she wasn't involved with these exact same people, but they wanted to kill her. To send a message to him? Because he, I guess, contacted Murtaugh, and I guess they somehow knew about that, that he was getting cold feet. So I guess that's why. This scene probably explains it, but I wasn't paying too much attention because you just kind of get what's happening. Um, That they were, they basically, during the war, discovered a good place that, grew heroin and then after the war they're like hey let's go back to that heroin spot and we'll bring it in to the country and no one was there to stop them and they became into a very profitable bit profitable business um so now we get joshua in a helicopter right that i love that shot where he just kind of comes up from the cliff and he has a he has a rifle, and it's just a perfect thing. Like I th- I believe, yeah yeah. Uh, Hansacker was holding a carton of eggnog, and honestly, that's what you get for drinking right out of the carton. So I drink right I drink right out of the carton. You have a family. Yeah, but the stuff I drink out of the carton, they're not drinking. So like, coffee and such. You drink coffee at anyways. Listen, you're Ice a monster. Coffee. We know this. Um, so. Again, for Riggs being such an incredible shot for being one of only 10 people who could ever... It's a, I mean, it's a moving helicopter. <laughs> I don't <laughs> expect him to, to take someone out from it. You're, you, okay, but then why are you talking about such a huge fucking like amazing shot he is and then give him absolutely no well, he eventually He eventually does, right? We'll get to it in a minute. He eventually... And after this scene, this movie is like all straight downhill action from here on. Like, like just one after the other. Cause right after this, uh, Riggs is talking to a prostitute on the street, trying to find if anyone knew Dixie or, or Amanda and Joshua just comes out and shoots him right in the chest, which by the way, I noticed like the car he comes out in right then later on in the movie, he steals like a woman's car after he gets out of the nightclub. And it looks like the exact same car he drove to shoot Riggs. He only steals cars, but it's only that make and model. He's like, I am very particular about what I'll drive. So he's running down the street looking for it. Um, (laughs) And then they're like, all right, well, we have to pretend Riggs is dead. And so then Joshua pretends to be like a radio and calls into some line. And it's a cop we met before. And he's like, oh, we just want to know what happened to Riggs. He's like, oh, he was shot and killed. And then that officer like smiles slyly, like did it. (laughs) um yeah and i and i i love the scene kind of in between that where riggs and murtaugh are in murtaugh's living room and there's the christmas lights and there's just that red light shining through the window and it like half lights up their face so it's like they're all red and riggs gives like a tiny speech like um like uh it's gonna be a bloodbath I hope you're ready for what's coming. Murtaugh's like, I don't have a choice. Well, that's right after. You're also, your Murtaugh impression is just awful. But they get a call and they're like, oh, we need you to go check out this body. And Murtaugh's like, I'm not doing that. And, the chief, and they're like, well, the chief wants you to. It's near your house. And he's like, oh, what is it? A blonde kid with dimples? And they're like, oh, how did you know? And he's like, oh, fuck. And that, like right then he knows his family was in trouble. And then... They come to his house and only take the hot daughter and leave the two kids and the wife upstairs. No, no, no. Because they killed the blonde kid with the dimples, it means that at they the were beach, they, at they the took beach. her from there. Yeah. How do they know where she was? What are they tracking her? 
I don't, maybe they followed her. Maybe they were like staking out the house. They saw the daughter and they were like, oh, easy. Yeah. And it also is interesting that this movie shows so much from the villain's perspective, I think. Like it could have left a lot more. It's like the last half of the movie is almost half from like, there's a ton of scenes like from Mr. Like Joshua and the general's perspective. I, I think it's like right, an, yeah. an interesting choice to do it that way to like let us know what they're thinking and what their plans are instead of just like it being more su- of a surprise. Um, I like I like the way they did it though. And so now you have um, Murtaugh and Riggs going back to Murtaugh's house, finding out that the daughter is taken there's a phone call or no there's a there's a well there's two phone calls which don't really make any sense because first they're like hey we got your daughter she's a pretty little thing we're gonna call you soon with details <laughs> and then just like a couple hours later all right we figured out where we want to meet you because we got the plane ready <laughs> like the helicopter's ready now so we're gonna meet you here <laughs> like they could have just all done it in one phone call so they go to the desert well i do want to say you talked about the scene but uh like I do think the writing of it was really cool because this whole time they've set up like Murtaugh is about like not killing people and Riggs is like, you have to kill, you have to kill. And he, the way he says, he's like, you know that they're going to kill your daughter. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, so you have to take her back, which means you have to shoot to kill tomorrow. Like we can't maim people anymore. You got to get ready for a bloodbath. There you go. That was a lot better. Um, and I do like once they get to the dry lake, which is the meeting place, I guess it's just a desert. Um, the shot of rigs like getting out. That's like, a, I, I guess they used the same helicopter that like the bad guys used like <laughs> to get that shot. They're like, Oh, we got it for a day anyway. Why, uh, why waste your helicopter budget on two helicopters? Obviously, but you're like, also like, Hey, you know, this would be a cool shot since we already have this thing. Um, and then I, <sighs> They want to take him alive, but there's so many of them. It's like, I don't understand why they, he, he's like, show me my daughter. I, it's like, I was kind of surprised they even brought her. I think they only brought her because it's a movie, but it's like, you didn't really need to once you have him out there. Yeah. What, what was he going to do? And then I, I never understood. Why didn't you just kill him right there and then? Well, they couldn't kill him because they didn't know that um, Riggs was still, Riggs was still uh, alive. And they didn't know how much Hunsacker told them about the, the drugs. And so they can't show up and pick up a bunch of drugs if there's going to be a ton of cops there. So they need one of them alive to know what they know. Well, they knew, they knew Riggs was, was dead. I guess they didn't know how many other cops Murtaugh told is what you're saying, right? Yes. So, and what he knew. I mean, because actually they didn't know anything. They didn't know any of the details about the drugs. It, up until Does the, it matter though? Movie, what do you mean? Well, they already kidnapped his daughter, threatened his life in the middle of the desert. Does it matter how much he knows? If he, knows he told the other, if he told the other cops, I know, but but I I see what you're saying, I guess, but I I don't quite see the logic in if he told the other cops. Okay, then fuck. They'll move the drug by. <laughs> do it on a different day why don't you just assume just just assume he told the entire police department and just move the drug by kill him yeah but that's probably you're you're dealing with like a foreign entity that's producing this and like there's probably a lot of legit don't want to mess up if you can just torture a cop to find out that you don't need to i guess yeah all right i'll uh i'll bite i mean there's there's more illogical things in this movie that we're going to get to like the last fight. So it's like, we can give them a little bit of, of peace right now. Well, you um, said, I don't even understand why they brought the daughter. And I thought that was a really good point. Well, I know. I still agree with it. They didn't need to, but they needed him alive. I guess they, what they thought he was going to have a grenade in his pocket that turned out to not be a great grenade. And this is when you get to see Riggs do what Riggs do and just start picking these guys off and then the daughter really freaks out a lot when she needs to get in that car and start driving 
Yeah. But then of course that didn't matter because McAllister finds rigs, everyone has to surrender and the helicopter takes, I don't know why, like when the helicopter got really close to her, you just slam the car into the helicopter. And, like, or you pull the brakes and you let the helicopter go 40 and go the opposite way. I don't know. There's a better way of doing that. She also, was, she was only 16. She's not a great driver. Okay. So she's old enough to sexualize, but not old enough to be a good driver. Well, she's 25 in real life, but yeah, she was, uh, she wasn't sexualized. She's just wearing a dress that covered everything. <laughs> um, the music, man, the music. Um, here, okay, so hold on. There's one more point that I, uh, another illogical factor about this is that Riggs starts picking them off. Surprises everyone, gives enough time for Murtaugh to turn around and to shoot the two guys behind them, right? You remember that? Correct. Those two guys were the pilots for the helicopter. No, yet, no? No, they were in a car. I thought he shot the pilots for the helicopter, and yet there was would, would have been smart. Daughter might have gotten away if you'd shot the <laughs> pilots with the helicopter. I guess. Maybe you want uh, to take out the helicopter because that also could like get up in the air and then find you. Yeah. Actually, I thought they brought the helicopter to create like a like a mini sandstorm so that in case Murtaugh did bring a sniper, there was like a, a sand shield around them, yeah. but that's not why. Yeah, that cleared up very quickly. And then I guess they just always assumed that Riggs was actually alive and that's why McAllister was out there or maybe they were just looking for any random snipers and they found Riggs in the middle of the desert with one guy sure okay and then uh, we get the classic thing of people that have been captured and are tied up and it happens before he even gets tied up but Riggs is like oh I'm gonna kill all of you and I met some of your the guys you work with uh, a bunch of pussies in Nam. And it's always like so funny in movies like John Wick, the first one did this where he's like completely tied up and he's like, I'm going to kill all of you. And you're just like, all right, well, I know you're going to get out, but it's like why you're so confident you're going to get out because you're pretty stuck right now. I especially like how I think it was in John Wick or like just the trope where it's like, I'm going to kill you and then you and then you and then you last like that sort of <laughs> that sort of threat. But yeah, it's just like a way overconfidence sort of thing. And I, I like how there's like this electro shock. Um, I was going to say therapy, torture. There's this electro shock torture. And Riggs doesn't give up any information. And I love the conversation between Joshua and the, and the torture guy that they're, they're like, uh, no man could have survived that. He would have given up something if he knew anything. Okay, well, now just use the electroshock, turn it up higher. I also, it's always funny in movies because you can only show really certain kind of tortures in like a very mainstream movie. Like you're not going to show like pulling off like fingernails or like chopping off stuff, you know what I mean? Because it's like, so they always kind of go to like the electroshock or like Casino Royale had <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen hitting him in the balls with like a sack, but like it's... <laughs> Electroshock is the one they go to the most, it seems like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just like what they did with Murtaugh, just beating the absolute shit out of him. Yeah, fist. Which is funny because Murtaugh's like, I ain't telling you shit. He's like, okay, bring his daughter in. Wait, no, I told you everything. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Actually, they brought in salt first. They like literally rubbed salt in the wound. They did. Is that a metaphor? Is his daughter a metaphor for the salt that they rubbed in his wound? And then Endo's like, all right, man, sorry, I have to kill you. And uh, But then, obviously, his legs are free, so he chokes him out with his legs because he's like a jujitsu master. Right, and right. Then Breaks his neck, I, climbs out. I love when he goes in there and starts killing all the guys, and as McAllister runs away, and he's like, who's fucking next? Uh, it's great. And then you think, I thought like, oh, they're in the middle of nowhere. But no, they're just like in the middle of L.A. In the, in the nightclub that we were already introduced to that the, yeah. the general owned. Hold on. There was one great line where the daughter is screaming for her life. And Joshua or no, McAllister is like right there, like about to like torture the daughter or something. And he goes, there's no more heroes in this world. And then Riggs busts through the door. I thought that was like, that's that overdramatic crap 
that I was talking about that just little really on the, little on the nose. Really works. Um, movie. And I, I also like this is the callback where he's like after their escape, he's like pretty fucking thin. He's like absolutely, you know. Uh, I thought that was good. Um, and now we're just chasing through Los Angeles. Yeah, and you know, I think we're just uh, waiting for Joshua to find the right sort sort of car <laughs> to, to steal. Yep, he steals his own car, and then later on, he steals an Audi. So he uh, he will change in a dire situation. Okay. And then, of course, we have Mel Gibson trying to catch a car on foot, which becomes a big theme of the Lethal Weapon movies since I watched like 20 minutes of two right before we started recording. Starts out with a car chase on foot? Starts out with a car chase that then Riggs is on foot for a while and then gets back in the car. There's a helicopter involved again. Um, so, yeah. This also has a great shootout to end it with uh, Riggs shooting out his, like shooting his car and like it crashing. And then you mean the, 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 oh no, you're talking about Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. He shoot yeah. Riggs shoots Joshua. And then Murtaugh's just sitting there and he's like, McAllister. And it's like, all right, how are you, what, you're just going to find him. But I guess he goes to a back alley of the nightclub. He's like, that's where he'll escape, which why did he not already escape? A lot of times passed yep 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 um he shoots the driver right and then the car hit by a bus hit by a bus um and then the grenades and then murtaugh starts laughing so let me ask you something was it clear to you that he was he he was pinned under his car that was just hit by a bus right was it clear to you that a pin fell out of one of those grenades or cause he was like, was he reaching for the grenade or was he trying to climb himself out? I was confused of his actions. He was trying to throw the grenades out of the car and it wasn't a pin pulled, but the car was on fire. So the fire was going to set off the grenades. Okay. Okay. And then they blew up. They did as you knew they would. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, I don't remember Murtaugh laughing. He laughs as the right after it blows up. He's like, he's seen, uh-huh. seen. <laughs> he looks right at the camera and he's like, guess public transportation wasn't his best friend. I don't know if he actually said that, but maybe. No, I said um, <laughs> And then he's like, oh, what happened to Joshua? He's like, oh, he got away. And he's like, dude, he knows where I live. And when he says that and they're getting in the car, I'm like, I was like, first of all, why is your family still at that house? That's stupid. And second of all, if they are at the house, why are there not cops watching it? And then both those things happen. I was like, okay, that's pretty smart. At least you guys didn't do the dumb thing where you're just like, oh, these evil people that are mercenaries know where my family lives. I'll just have them stay at the house. See, this is, this is a lot of, this is an issue I have with a lot of 80s movies and older. And it's not really the 80s movies or older's fault it's the fact that things can easily be solved nowadays with technology especially cell phones right so if this was an issue where his family were still in the house and he knew that josh was going to go to the house just call your wife up on this on her cell phone and be like hey you know this crazy guy's coming to the house and and i want you to get out with the kids and call the cops okay but here's the thing there's no cell phones at this. Well, there's no convenient cell phones at this point, right? So it's a, like a backpack, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. So they solve this with great writing and the fact that why would his family still be at that house? And of course there's cops watching it. And of course they left a note like, hey, bad guys, we're not here. The other thing though, why did they not radio to the cops at the house? and be Like, hey, there's a Gary Busey looking motherfucker who's about to show up to that house. Shoot Gary Busey if you see him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that I cannot logically explain away. But I love the cop car just absolutely <laughs> ramming into the house. Yeah, I guess the, the cop just like didn't have it in park but had his foot on the brake just sitting there. <laughs> that no. makes no sense. No, no, no. Riggs crashed it into the car, uh, into what the house. Oh, that. Okay, but I'm talking about before that, the cops that were staking it out and shot, 
like the car, as soon as they both get shot, the car moves and hits into a light pole or a, 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 a fire hydrant. Yes. So that cop was just sitting there for hours on end with his foot on the brake instead of putting it in park. Honestly, I usually sit in my car with my foot on the brake instead of putting it in park. So I you do can't. a lot of stakeouts, do you? <laughs> uh, anyways, so <laughs> the um, a cop car runs into the car, almost killing Gary Busey, which would have been into the. Holy shit! Yes, the house. Thank you. Murtaugh's house is completely destroyed by. Um, Riggs's car shenanigans which is is weird too because if you look at Murtaugh's house in the beginning of this movie it looks like his house is already halfway under construction I didn't notice that but I, I guess I wasn't paying attention very well but they I, I always thought and maybe they did but I thought something was going to come up like like oh Roger you always start projects and you never finish them because literally half of the house is under construction at the beginning of this movie and then at the end of the movie, when the car ran through the house, the entire half of the house was under construction. And I thought they were going to, there was some sort of callback to that, but there, there never was. So I don't know if it was a production issue or if it was written out. But um, do, you, do you want to explain exactly how this movie, th- this finale comes to a close? I'll give him my best shot. Okay. So they have Gary Busey at gunpoint and they somehow get on the subject of what happened to McAllister and you get the great line from Murtaugh of he's barbecuing his nuts on Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard. Just great. But then they decide that Riggs has to arrest this guy on his own without any weapons and they're just gonna fight and then all these other cops show up and it's just Murtaugh like no no let him do it let him do it back up I, it's on me if something goes wrong it's on me and just lets him fight and it's almost like he's fighting Mr. Joshua but like fighting his like suicidal ten- like by winning this fight he'll defeat suicide <laughs> Yeah, it really makes me feel like that it also but makes it feel like he by winning this fight He's also defeating um, his shoot-to-kill policy. Well, eventually he does because he doesn't kill him. He just lets him go. But also, like, why couldn't you just have it to where the cops don't show up that quickly? Yeah. It's a lot – it makes a lot more sense if it's just Murtaugh watching with, the, like, love, a gun. I love how it ended up with, like, a school – like, a school fight where everyone's surrounding the the – people who are fighting and you even have the helicopter like spotlighting them the entire time but the only thing gary Busey can get out of this is killing Riggs, and he's not he he can't think they're actually going to let him kill Riggs. like it's just like he can beat the shit out of him a little bit but you're going to get arrested yeah and then they try to arrest him and he pulls a gun and then he gets shot because of course you have to kill him at the end of this he can't live otherwise he's in the sequel Maybe so, they didn't know there was going to be a sequel. So you you so you get this shot of um, Murtaugh putting on a jacket on, on Riggs, and then they both turn, stick their arms up with their gun in their hand, and shoot Gary Busey like five times, right? And the way this is like shot is your the camera's like in front of them pulling the trigger, and I was like. Well, I found out what was the uh, the back cover image for the VHS of this. Probably. Definitely. I don't know. We may still have it somewhere. I'll have to try and find it. I thought you didn't have one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I have two. <laughs> Two's better, man. Uh, I do like the very ending of this when he comes up and the daughter Rianne answers. Riggs comes up to the door and Rianne answers and he's like, give your dad this present. I, uh, you know, I won't need it anymore. And she's like, it's a bullet. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, That's the point on the nose. Like, <laughs> He'll um, know what it means. Yeah. You just did. You just did Murtaugh for Riggs. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <clears throat> he'll know what it means. Somehow that was better and worse all at the same time. Um, and then 
uh, Murtaugh comes out and he's like, hey, I can't eat the driest chicken in the world. I'm a driest turkey by myself. Uh, and like, okay, I'll join you. Even though like the daughter just asked you to join, like you could have joined because she asked. He's, I, I like, he's like, hey, I think your daughter likes me. He's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the movie ends there. It does with a Christmas song again. I love how uh, how much Christmas is implemented into, or at least is trying to be implemented into every aspect of this uh, film. From from the cocaine bus at the tree lot to the Christmas music. Yeah, that's great. Reminds me of Iron Man 3. I must not remember Iron Man 3 that well. It was a Christmas movie. That wasn't really a Christmas movie. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, overall, um, there were parts of this that I, I liked the movie a lot more than I thought I would. And I'm going through it and I'm like, this is actually really great. And then you get this scene that makes no sense at the very end of this fight that just could have been staged a whole lot better. But that didn't ruin it. Uh, I think it's a great movie. Two's better. This is probably better than three, although I don't remember three that much. But two, three, and four all have Joe Pesci. So, like, how bad can it be? I mean, I like this film. I thought it was, like, a a pretty good 80s action film. And um, I'm glad. I'm glad we chose this for our Christmas movie. That's not really a Christmas movie. That's actually a Christmas movie. Shane Black also wrote Iron Man 3. I did not know that. Yeah. Hence my reference. Because it's a Christmas movie. Is Predator a Christmas movie? So is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I know. Nice Guys is not a Christmas movie. Huh. There's no Christmas in Nice Guys. Maybe he was like, I've gone to the well too many times. I, I like the the dynamic between placing, especially if what you said is true about how he had this movie be so much darker, how you have such a, a dark, cynical film and the background of what's supposed to be one of the happiest holidays. I think it's really, really awesome. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And I finally watched Lethal Weapon.